Don't talk about your product. Don't talk about yourself. Nobody cares about you. Nobody cares about your product. Hello, and a big welcome to Hot Sauce, where we'll cover the hottest topics within sauce, together with brilliant guests. Are you also curious about fast-growing companies and the people behind them? Welcome aboard. My name is Max Nyman. I'm the CEO of LimeGo, and this is an interactive podcast where you can give suggestions on upcoming guests and topics. You can also jump into discussions with other listeners by leaving comments or upvoting their suggestions. I'm determined to become one of the greatest within B2B sauce, which is why I invite thought leaders and pick their brains about how to scale their companies. However, there are so many fast-growing companies out there and new ones appearing all the time. I only know a fraction, and that's why I want to give you the opportunity to have an impact on the episodes and its content. Hit the link in the episode to interact and affect. Enough already, let's get to it. All right, warm welcome, Laura. Thank you very much, Max. Very nice to meet you. Yeah, really nice to have you on board. And to jump in immediately, uh, which company are you at and what is your role? Yes, I work at DreamData. It is an, a startup for attribution for B2Bs and SaaS companies. I am a sales leader running our Americas team. So, And I work from Denmark, which means a lot of late hours with the American clients and prospects. Mm. Yeah. And how's that working, the work-life balance? It's, you have to balance a lot. <laughs> yeah. But I enjoy it. This is the way I work. And and I I love the American market. It's a lot different than European one as well. Mm-hmm. So it makes a lot of sense for us to split out and work in different both times, but also different processes. It's so much different to sell to a Swedish company comparing to a company that is in San Francisco. Mm. So, so yeah, makes sense. I love it. It's a lot of go, go, go. Yeah, <laughs> nice. And uh, before jumping into all the questions, just to set the scene a bit, uh, can you tell me about Dream Data in terms of uh, like approximate ARR, headcount, uh, your markets, and so on? Yeah, so our ARR right now is around 25k a mm. year per client. And uh, what else is the market? So yeah, we are split into Americas and Europe and Asia. And it's mm. around 50-50 of the revenue that comes from one and the other. Okay. Um, then we are, what is it like? A little bit over 50 employees right now it, it it scales a lot so it's difficult mm-hmm. to count so it's we are above 50 employees biggest part of the people are in engineering data science mm-hmm. and the other part is that people who serve the clients so sales team customer success and a little bit of marketing as well mm-hmm. so it's it's a very nice balance of of the way we work and since we're going to talk a little bit about go to market it is a very close collaboration between marketing and sales the way we work. So so when I'm saying it's 50-50 split in the markets, Americas and Europe and Asia mm. in terms of clients, it's also a more or less a 50-50 split between the way clients are coming in, meaning that we so far only work with inbound. So that 50% of the customer journey is nice. served by marketing. Well, the other 50% up till close is served by sales marketing as well. In the meantime, with all the retargeting, with all the social selling that we do, mm. but it is a very interesting collaboration that there's not that much of just sell, 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 and sales are doing all the work. It's a very close collaboration between 
those two teams and then you can start building out the matrix how do data scientists come in and how do you use all the people in the sales processes as well mm. but it's fun it's yeah. a lot of dancing so to say a lot of dancing with the multiple hats <laughs> yeah and uh, I want to jump into the social selling parts uh, of it as well, but just uh, to, to set the scene in terms of the complexity, uh, how long is your sales cycle approximately? So when people usually ask, when I usually ask people, how long is your customer journey, not a sales cycle, okay. usually people will respond since the form submission up till new business. Yeah, that's the classic definition, I guess. Yeah. It is. And it mm. is a sales cycle because that's where you actually go in and start selling. But once you start working across marketing and sales, you have to start calculating what is the customer journey between first touch to new business. For us, it is, I think the latest numbers were 270 days mm -hmm. from first touch to new business closed, which is almost a year. Scary, yeah. huh? Yeah. But half of it usually is served by marketing. So if the first touch was, let's say, Google Organic or something like that, we wouldn't know that to begin with. Because they wouldn't have submitted forms yeah. for us. We wouldn't know who they are. They are in the education phase. And then once they submit the form, they have the way. <laughs> so the other half is served by sales along with marketing as well, with the content, the way we work and so on. So split the 271 into two. That's approximately how long we are selling. Also, of course, depends on the sizes of clients because we do serve of course. the mid-market and higher mid-market we call them enterprise but this is like in the b2b business it is larger mid-market yeah, not so the u.s enterprise perhaps but yeah exactly mm. that's that's too so far too complex for yeah. the attribution projects yeah. but yeah this is the way it works larger clients take longer time now these customer journeys are taking even longer the yeah. other day our cmo is looking at our pipeline and saying, guys, uh, did we start to move in the accounts into closing a little bit earlier than we usually do? Because I can see there is a lot, but it takes some time to close them. Yeah. No. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> exactly. Um, no, we haven't changed any processes. Just the processes that the customers have changed a lot. Mm. So in the recent, I would say half a year, almost a year closing cycle is much longer, much more legal security involvement. Do we actually need this? And more people being involved to actually close this. So just to get through the door does not mean that you're in. Mm. It means that there will be a lot of coordination to finally buy that product. Because as April Dunford says, most of your deals, if you lose them, you would probably lose them for indecision yeah. <laughs> exactly. no decision do nothing yes so the so customer journeys are getting longer so that yeah. 271 is going to be longer very soon i guess yeah i think everyone can uh, can vouch for that the uh, the cycles are longer but i like how you like flip it and not talk about the sales cycle but the full journey and i doubt that many companies measure that exactly the same as like many companies measure sales cycle right but i doubt that as many companies measure the customer journey from first touch points to new business. Yeah, and a lot of companies are excited to, not excited, but kind of scared of those. <laughs> it's the opposite, so. And, yeah, and we say, oh, what is happening? When is it that they're finding us? We don't know what the first touches are. Well, mm. we don't know either. <laughs> Sometimes we might not know, and the customer journey might be even longer than that. But, but what we know is where did they come from? 
which touches are important, how fast are they closing if they're coming through a G2, through organic, or yeah. we've met them at the face-to-face -face event. Those deals are long. So if anybody's sending you to events and they're saying, so after this years of events, how many deals did we actually close? And, or what is the ROI? It will push back. The ROI is usually much smaller the same year, but look at it next year, because mm -hmm. that's where you have already created the awareness and more people are going to close the year after because face-to-face -face event first touches are taking a long time to close. Yeah. And now I want to jump into that topic because you are, I've, I've seen you at events and it feels like green data and you guys are definitely preaching the whole event and social selling. Can you tell me a bit about the execution before an event, during and after? Yeah. <laughs> Don't get me started. No, yeah, of course. It's 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 fun. So to start with, our CMO, he's a very data-driven guy. If that can be measured, mm. I want to see it. I want to know it, how it can do this. And once we started to talk about events, I think it was two years ago, I started to talk about it. It's like, everybody's going to the Sastra thing in California. <laughs> I want to do it too. How about us? <laughs> it's like, um, um, I don't know. It looks expensive. Maybe not. So yeah. come on. This, okay. So you go to an event and we figure this out later. So it was like test small and cheap and figure out if you're going to scale. So the first event I went alone to figure out how are we doing this and what is working and so on. But Which one was it? Saster. In the US? Yes, in San yeah. Mateo. Hmm? Huge event and a lot of chaos and so on. But, yeah. <laughs> but then I came back with a lot of learnings, what worked, what didn't. And the year after, my team went to Saster. I went to Inbound. So we are already know what works, what doesn't. So yeah. how do we prepare? First of all, we figure out where we want to go. When we know where we want to go, then we need to figure out who's going as well. So we st start talking about going to events long before the event is happening. Who's going to be there? Who do we need to meet? What kind of content do we need to create? So when people are saying, oh, you're going to a lot of events, um, probably two or three a year. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and then you just bulk up. A lot about that, which yeah. means that we prepare. When we meet people, they are already aware that we're going to be there, and that they can expect to see us. And depends on the event during Saster, people are kind of okay to meet with you as well. But some of the events is like no salespeople. Why? It's like when I'm ready, I'll go and meet you, especially selling to marketers. Mm -hmm. So we start introducing and warming it up we're going there what we're going to do and uh, and once we're there then it's much easier because then you're meeting those people so we are prepared okay what do we do to start with we do prepare we figure out who's there try to book meetings it doesn't work but we still know who who are going there what type of breakouts are we going to what that type of give giveaways are we going to have it's tough if you have giveaways if you don't have a booth Think of something really small if you at all bring in anything. That stands or, out. Yeah. Or send stuff before you go there or after you met people. So you don't have to go around with a lot of things around you. <laughs> yeah, just... like, yeah, but then other people will also have to carry that thing. It doesn't matter yeah. what it is that you're giving out. And yeah, true. And so on. So yeah, just, just, just to pause, uh, ICP, who's the perfect persona that you want to meet at, uh, at an event? So it depends on which event that is and the size of the event, but usually it is the marketing leaders or yeah. operations leaders as well. 
And uh, usually it's much easier to talk to marketers than operations because operations are usually not at events. So usually they would send marketers or salespeople to some of the events. Yes, these are the ICPs. And um, next thing we do, we plan a side event depending on the event itself. So sometimes we do some drinks, sometimes we do a breakfast or we do a dinner, depending on what type of people are there mm-hmm. and what have type you, of conversation we want. Have you been at Lavenders? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they do They do it the right way because their target audience are sales. Yeah. And those SDRs, junior AEs and so on. So their events are really good mm. because they're not selling you anything. They're just showing up their brand and yeah. you know Lavender. Whenever somebody says Lavender, they know it because they had all of their target audience at those parties. It's cool. But <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Yeah. If you're trying to reach head of operations, head of marketing, nah. different approach. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't work. <laughs> they don't want. And usually they do have families. They don't want to be laid out. They probably don't want to drink and then figure out what works better. And some of the events, and you would know it probably after the first time you've been there, have niches of stuff that people are missing out on something, meaning that maybe they don't serve breakfast, Mm -hmm. create a breakfast event. Maybe uh, there's nothing in between parties and the event itself. Give snacks or do a side event at that time. Do a run competition or something. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. do a run. That's another thing that we do. Like, talk nothing. People love it. Do a run or something like that. So we plan those. When that is planned, when we are at event, it's go, go, go. It's really hard. So much energy drain out. But the rule is, if you're at an event, you have to post about the event twice or three times per day on social. Otherwise, you can't go. (laughs) You can go. Yes, you can go. (laughs) Okay. But it's very hard. Imagine, Max, you are at an event. You have to talk with people. You're already tired of talking with people. And maybe you had a drink. And, like, it's impossible. So the way it works best is to plan your content either in the evening for the next day or in the morning while mm. you feel fresh from the day before. Yeah, that's good. Plan it, schedule it, then forget about it. Yeah. It's out. And while you're at an event, if you're thinking, oh, this could be nice to post, you can post it if you didn't have that many things to post, but otherwise you can just save it for tomorrow. Mm. Write down your idea or schedule if you have the time. If it's a boring breakout that you're sitting there and just chilling, create it, push it out, and people would know that. So yeah, I like it. What's happening during the event? And, and would you say that that's the same logic for like social selling or creating content in general? That's... Is it be- better to hold off and like uh, reflect a bit and do much content in one sit and then you publish it by scheduling it? Or what, uh, what, what works for you? For me, it works to do it on the go. So if I've got an idea and the idea came in at 7 a.m. in the morning, well, then I wouldn't post it. <laughs> but then I would write it down and schedule it. But if, the, if I have nothing for that day and I've got an idea and it's 2 p.m., I'll go, just go. Because those ideas usually are the best because this is something that inspired you during your work to bring a different perspective to your feed. Because if you overthink and overplan your content, usually you would start comparing yourself with 
somebody else or somebody else's message. Exactly. And then it's the same. Then it's noise that it just feeds in. Then you're going to talk about the OpenAI CEO who got yeah. fired and you got a new spin why he got fired or something. That's yeah. boring. <laughs> but, unless you're the first one, one of the first ones. Yeah, but, doubt it. But then, yeah, either do it or not. I usually schedule stuff if I'm busy or I've got an idea out of the times where people are actually on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And and uh, talking about the social selling, like uh, you are obviously creating a lot of content. And as you mentioned, my feeling before we started recording was that you're traveling a lot. But it's more like you travel a couple of times and then you create the content and then we just see it uh, as a machinery on LinkedIn. Uh, what would you recommend for the people that aren't started, that, that, that haven't started? Like how do you actually get over and start publishing you talked a bit about not over analyzing or overthinking what else um you you just start need to start doing this so the first thing you have to remember if you're that person and that's hard it is very hard i meet some of the people from industries where they say oh but we are in pharma <laughs> kind of <laughs> you talk to marketers and you're kind of a marketer as well this is easy for you what do we do we're in pharma what should we do um what you should do is first of all there's a lot of content that marketing has already created so take a blog take some ideas of what you spoke already with clients sit down for half an hour and create a couple of pieces of content don't talk about your product. Don't talk about yourself. Nobody cares about you. Nobody cares about your product. Yeah. You created that content around something that people are trying to fix or you've learned something while talking with your prospects. That's useful. And go with it. The problem is when you overthink it too much. So if you time cap yourself, like if you give yourself a blank piece of paper, then you're never going to create anything at all. So like take something that limits you. Let's take a blog, cut it out into five pieces, create content by yourself. Meaning that what did I learn from this? What could other people learn from this? What is different than I usually hear and schedule this and forget about it because it's going to be bad anyway. Yeah. It was content, but you are started and you'll see how it performs probably not that well next time you do it you will know what, what you will be doing differently and in those three or four or five months you're actually going to start creating good quality content <laughs> yeah. but it's easy to say forget about it but I for one have posted some posts that are in my opinion performing well and then a couple just having a couple of likes it's quite easy to like go back and, oh, damn it, that post was shit. What, what tools would you advise for people to how to actually just move on? Um, the first thing is that if it was liked only by two people, probably only around 100 people in your network have seen it. Do you care about those 100 people? No, not much. Mm. And mm. do you think that they have actually read what you wrote and thought, oh, Max, that piece of content you wrote, uh, now you kind of missed the part of your credibility. No, what they did was they took their phone, scrolled it through, and that's it. And just didn't like it. Yeah, they forgot about it. Exactly. Yeah. Nobody really cares. So if you created a bad piece of content and it didn't perform, it's kind of a good thing because not that many people have seen it. And the more you create those types of that's content. That's true. It's a good, uh, yeah, good comforting. Yeah. Easy. Don't worry. Mm. Like, 
what what's the worst that can happen kind of nothing <laughs> it's like, yeah. you have nothing to lose yeah but uh, on the the topic of social selling and content do you have your like do you have set up goals for yourself when you get some ideas you put it out how do you measure how do you like uh, be uh, stay consistent and so on yeah uh, i post every day i run every day i post every day that's very easy mm-hmm. to follow and mm-hmm. if i have more ideas than just one for that day then i post more than once per day i don't limit that part like mm. don't, you can go crazy and linkedin algorithm does not limit you unless you post one after each other don't do that but mm. so this is one thing that i do another thing that i do i split out my content into pieces that i know that are engaging people only because they stop the scroll so it's either something funny i'm not funny by the way but uh, like something that scroll stops their scroll of like a picture or mm-hmm. something that they're, oh, what is going on there? Or like, usually it's not too valuable that they take this and learn something and do different, but it is a social media platform. So the people usually come for entertainment. So there has to be a little bit that piece of entertainment in LinkedIn as well. People like mm. it. So, okay. So I speak about being a woman or being a mom or, or like something fun happened at the office and so on. Like still work-related, but but not to learn about marketing. Then the other piece of content is coming from Dream Data. And it's split into two. One of those is just general learnings of what I observe, what clients are seeing and so on. The other part that is the most effective for driving leads is either product videos mm-hmm. or talking about the benchmarks of marketing. And those are both scroll stopping and bringing in leads. Though these are the worst performing posts. Really bad because first marketers don't want ah. to expose themselves that, oh, this was interesting. I watched this video. I will like it. Mm-mm. They will like the video that has you on it because they like you. And then, yeah. oh, I, oh, very nice picture with your child. Or, oh, they're having a Christmas party or something. Yeah, like, I like Christmas parties. But if you did something that, like, twisted the mind a little bit or created a product video, look at this. So your Google ads are underperforming. Let me show you which of the Google ads are not driving SQL. And <laughs> yeah, you, you cannot like that. Like, ah, fun. I wish I knew how to do it, but you wouldn't like it. But, but do you think people save the post then? I don't think so. Because I think about it like the way I do myself. They have watched it. That's it. They have been served a piece of content. Gone. And when I save posts, I usually never return back to them. And I think people do the same. One day, yeah. No, you can't do it. It's like a trash. I agree. And you save it. Yes, very good PDF. One day. Yeah. (laughs) No. Yeah, makes sense. No, but I, I think that's uh, important to differentiate the the content that's uh, like engaging and uh, about you, which is one perspective, and then the more like thought provoking, insightful posts that people maybe don't want to like because then it's going to be obvious that I need help with X, for example, yeah. uh, to differentiate uh, those type of contents. Yeah, but then another thing that we do is we, of course, measure. Uh, how much of traffic do we get first touch from LinkedIn organic? We measure LinkedIn ads engagement, which means that if they have seen some uh, dream data stuff, the next time it's an ad or my um, like 
what do you call those um, thought leader ads? Mm -hmm. They stopped and had a look at it. Then we start to get intent that what we're doing is working. So we start measuring that into the funnel to see if it is working. And then even to take it even further down, I often get our CMO coming over to me saying, Laura, this month, we did not have that many free signups. What can we do? (laughs) (laughs) Let's figure this out. And then then we start creating more content around that. Or, oh, we're having a huge release of intent. Marketing prepare, they do all the beautiful stuff and so on. Then I usually wouldn't take what they did. I would just re-spin my own message because they wouldn't anyway see all the stuff marketing has done. And then I could do it in a little bit of a different way, but still the same message. So just like, let's see where does it stick in the brain and Mm. we've got you covered. I like the idea of uh, whenever you have a, a drought in terms of content, you just create content of that. Or like the the leads, like any problem can be like twisted to content, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> but those ideas, they're born usually while I'm like making coffee or having a little walk or patting a dog at the office or something. Because yeah. like think of something a little bit different. What would people's eye catch during the content? And usually if it is just the text content that I write, I write a piece of content and I think, okay, what should be the first line that people actually would be interested to read more? Not a clickbaity stuff or anything like stupid and make a lot of gaps and so on. I don't do that. But think about the line that is interesting to read more. And it's not very high level and generic. Sometimes your last sentence of your post should be the first one. Like yeah. switch it around and yeah. see what happens. Because usually you're used to write all those hero stories once upon a time. You did not know how to do this. With the hooks and then the spacing. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. It's fine. It works. But think of something very tangible and specific. Like Lavender talks about when you have are writing an email, write like a human. And if the first, mm. like is a, first line is like writing as a human, it attracts people just to read at least. And that's, mm. that's good enough. Yeah. And uh, I want to switch topic to uh, sales. Mm-hmm. Like uh, a lot of sales leaders, uh, they're struggling with getting their people, their team to start creating content, right? Is this something that you've experienced or would you say that dream data is like really uh, living what you say or how how can you teach that to other sales leaders to actually overcome that hurdle? Yeah, it's it's hard. Because, well, it seems like, oh, it's so easy for you to do it or for your CMO to do it. Yeah, but most of the people don't want to do it or think that they're much better at writing 10 emails rather than writing a post on LinkedIn. So to start with, when we're hiring people into the revenue roles, we speak about that, that this is an important part of your role. You're in, even though you haven't tried it, are you open to try it? Yeah. Okay. Then you join the company and then you start seeing what people are doing. First thing, your leadership has to be doing it. If you only ask people to do it, you will never see that happen. Because you need to see your CMO, CEO, and whoever is on LinkedIn from your leadership, do it. Good or bad, doesn't really matter. They see you do it. They see you fail. They say, okay, so if my post flop, look at that post as well that one was shit too cool and you don't care that's fine because then it's okay for me too so we have the acceptance culture that we're all there 
then some people just don't feel like posting those engaging posts with pictures and so on. What should I do? Then we sit down and talk. So you're still open to do it. What type of content do you feel like you would like to be recognized for? Oh, I only want to talk technical stuff. Okay. So what's technical for you? We figured out what that is. We break it down together. And since we had that focus time together, that person starts to think of how and what type of content that should be. The most important part of that is celebration once this happens. So if people are struggling and they're aware, they're saying, oh, I haven't posted for three weeks and I do want to, but it's so hard. And I'm like, I can do a lot of other things during that time. Fine, let's sit down and do it. And then that person posted and probably didn't perform well. First time, second time, third time. time, (laughs) Most likely, yeah. Yeah, but first, we do have a Slack channel for all of our posts. Whenever somebody in the team posts, we do put oh, nice. that into Slack channel. There are several That's reasons good. for that. Because everybody can see that everybody's doing this. So if you, yeah. oh, I haven't done this for three weeks. Everybody's doing this. I think everybody's watching that I haven't done this. Nobody's watching. But but you feel like that because you feel like everybody's doing. Then, yeah. then you can copy your colleagues' posts. So then we would also talk, if you were to start posting, who would you like to be posting like? Oh, I want to be posting like him. I think his content is cool. Right. So how can we do this? To start with, the easiest part is just to copy that post, whatever you find that person did clever, rewrite it a little bit, out with it. See how it performs. So now you broke that through that. Oh, okay. Now I've posted. Next time, probably I will be inspired and write something by myself. And that starts climbing. Nobody is going to post daily. Expectations have to be at the right place. Mm. And do you set up goals for that, KPIs? Like, do you measure it somehow? No. No? We talk about this. We know this is important. We, you can't set KPIs on this. Maybe it's a very busy week and you couldn't post. Mm. It's fine. And next time you will kind of feel, okay, now I have a little bit of breathing time. I can do this now. And that type of collaboration that everybody does this, we can see you do this on Slack. We have seen your posts out there and you probably want to be a part of this as well. Works really well. It's, it's no like, oh, you haven't posted for two weeks. You will not get the right effect out of that. You will just yeah. have like, yeah, overpressed. I think that's interesting because uh, a lot of things in sales is uh, measured and the KPIs everywhere. Uh, and I think it's important to keep a space between the things that you shouldn't measure, which, uh, for example, could be the like LinkedIn posts, uh, because then you might kill the joy of it. Yep. It's, yeah, or or some people just don't have joy of it. They just, they yeah. <laughs> so like, let's face it, <laughs> it's okay. they can just do it a little less, but yeah. we do like once in a while, if we feel that we need to push this through a little bit, then we create some fun competition or something fun for the whole team. It's like, okay, so if we, as a whole team post once per week for a quarter, we yeah. do something. X happens. I don't know. We go wakeboarding or we go having a dinner or something like that. Then then it's much easier for everybody to do it as a team and to reach out to colleagues once they need help to actually do it. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. That's good. 
Uh, all right, we're going to move into a quick segment with a couple of quick questions. Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah. So, uh, favorite tool in your revenue tech stack? Mm. <laughs> you cannot say Dream Data. <laughs> <laughs> no, not my favorite. So, my recent favorite is Apollo, but I should say LinkedIn. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, after LinkedIn goes Apollo. <laughs> yeah. All right. And the uh, best uh, career advice that you've gotten? Best career advice that I have gotten. Follow your energy. Cause you want to elaborate a bit? Yeah. If, if something that you're doing for a long time is dragging your energy out, you will not be able to continue. There will always be tasks that you'll need to do that are not fun. But if most of the time are those parts that you don't feel like I want to do this again and again and again, means that it's not going to be consistent. So if you get the energy after finishing the task or while doing the task or preparing for the task, this is cool. Follow that. And if you create a plan for yourself where you want to be in X years or in a year, Break it down and figure out which of those pieces are going to be your energy givers so you can thrive on those. I'm high on energy only because I choose those tasks. I have a lot of boring tasks too. That's where you sit <laughs> down on your ass, get the headsets on and just, yeah, <laughs> get it done. <laughs> just do it, yeah. Yeah, but, but most of the time it has to be something that you wake up in the morning and say, I can do this again. I can do this again. It's, it's so much easier. Yeah. yeah. Solid advice. I like it. And uh, in terms of sales <clears throat> and marketing, uh, what would you say is the best thing to do in order to achieve sales and marketing alignment? First thing you have to remember, you don't have to be friends. To like <laughs> like each other because we're good friends. We're having beers together. Yes, it's it helps. It's nice. But mm. to have that alignment, you have to have respect for each other's work which means that you have to have joint meetings together to discuss what is it that we're trying to achieve, why we're doing this, and what is it that we're going to do. And then look back and see what is happening. What am I seeing that why this did not work? Just like the CMO said, oh, why are there so many deals in closing for a month? It's because we talk. Because he's literally curious to figure out how does this process work right now he's not involved in sales but yeah. we start to talk about this and have respect for each other's craft so the leads you're getting from marketing are not bad there's something in there that you haven't spoken about either you haven't communicated your expectations for what that should be or how do you receive them? Talk about that. Respect each other's craft, and it's so much easier to collaborate then. Okay. And advice on how to do it. Set up meetings. Like... Yeah. <laughs> so we do several things. To start with, we sit together. And that helps to just have a conversation. Like in the same room, physically. Yeah. yeah. Um, another thing, we do have joint meetings. So marketing is always in our pipeline meeting. Of sales on Mondays. Then we have a joint Friday meeting as well, where we look into the whole pipeline. 
all the way from first touch, what is happening with our MQLs, what is happening with our SQLs, what are the close rates and all that kind of stuff. And what is marketing planning for the upcoming week, for upcoming month, what is hard, what can sales do differently and so on. So we do meet together pretty frequently as well. And uh, we celebrate stuff or if something is not working, we talk about that as well. So literally just care <laughs> once you meet twice and you care for each other's craft then it's so much easier to get this done yeah yeah i think just uh, becoming more curious about each other that's the that's the key and the uh, last one, we hit a bit of a rabbit hole there, but the uh, last one on the quick segment. Uh, what uh, what do you use uh, ChatGPT for? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so what I used to use it for, it was just to play. But right now, it's for <laughs> sometimes for big parts, chunks of text to just be read for me. Like okay. summarize something that seems to be way too complex for me to understand. Then... Um, I use, it's not just ChatGPT, so all types of AI. So like Gong has quite good stuff on AI right now in their calls. So I go back to my recorded calls. I need to do a summary. I don't need to do that anymore. It's like, please create the summary, figure out what are the uh, the key challenges that they're having. What did we agree for the next meeting? It spits out a badly processed email, but it has the points that I will need to write. So I just need to like, remove all the stuff that doesn't sound like me and go with it. So after having to have to use like 10, 15 minutes for a follow-up email, now it takes me maybe five. Mm. But you still say Apollo over Gong in favorites. Oh, but that I use this for two different purposes Mm. because I use Gong for call recordings and I use Apollo for sales conferences for sequences and so on. Yeah, Apollo is still higher. Gong is kind of a... Like, nice to have. No. No, no. 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 <laughs> Gone out, no. <laughs> it's very neat to have. But it is more like, how can you say that? I like riding a bike, and it's nice when the wind is warm when I'm biking. And if the wind is not warm, I can still bike. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah. It's kind of, it is the warm wind that helps me to go a little faster or enjoy the ride a little more. <laughs> yeah, okay. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, cool. And uh, the last thing that I want to talk about, we didn't uh, catch it earlier, but talking about events, ROIs, you said that you cannot start measuring ROIs the first year. You have to wait a bit. Uh, how do you measure ROIs from events in a good way? And any advice on people who want to start going to events and measure it more? Yeah. Yeah. We didn't finish off that piece of what happens when you're back. So yeah. <laughs> what happens when we're back is we fill out our expenses Uh, which is like a chunk of everything that happened during the event, how much did we spend? And then we have a campaign where we fill out all the people that we have met to join the two. And then later you will be able to follow that throughout the customer journey. And since the customer journeys are so long and you compare the ROI of both Google ads, uh, we met one person, does it mean that we close the deal due to, to that person and there were 10 people involved in the deal? Well, probably yes or maybe no, but all those touches matter and some of the touches are more expensive than the others. So to be able to have the combined understanding, you need literally to have the two. Cost, fill out the people that you have met. Join the two together and then everything else that happens around their customer journey is a complex and so on. 
well, ask operations for help <laughs> to, <Yeah. laughs> to join that together to be able to see it. But but this is a duty of sales or whoever was at the event to fill out who you have met because this is the ROI calculation. Good. Let's uh, end off on that note. And uh, I want to pick your brain on upcoming guests. Do you have any advice, any names for people that I should bring onto this podcast? Yes. And I'm almost sure you don't know that guy. He's okay. Who is amazing. it? Amazing. I met him in New York. And when I'm before I met him, I start to look him up. I was like, oh, this guy has a TikTok and not that many followers. Oh, this guy does funny videos on LinkedIn. And why isn't everybody liking it? Because it's very funny. So do you know girl math on TikTok? No. It's like, it's the funny stuff. Like if you bought something 50% off, that means you've got the other 50% to spend on something else. You save money. <laughs> okay, yeah. This, this type of stuff. But he does mm. marketing math. Ah, all right. Where, where he calculates the stuff in the other way. Like, oh, this makes no sense. But he does that in a joking way. So Scott Logan, my friend, Logan. you're yeah. amazing. And he is he is so knowledgeable. He has so many stories to share. I don't understand why not that many people still follow him. He is Yeah, let's make him viral. He's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. That's a really solid suggestion. Anyone else? Anyone else? So there are there are many other people. It depends on who you want. What do you want to speak about? Like, yeah, Arthur Castillo. He's cool from Chili Piper. Then, hey. um, like, Katrina Rasmussen from Pixels, the CMO. She is a clever bomb. Like, I would. I wish I would, was able to write like she does. There are so <laughs> many people on LinkedIn that do that. Yeah. So these is she your role model in terms of content? No, but I am inspired yeah, by many. the way she writes. We're different yeah. the way we do stuff, and we meet once in a while as well to pinpoint ideas and stuff. She is. She's amazing. Yeah. She is. Cool. Thank you very much. And I'm going to try to summarize a bit with my key takeaways. And trust me, there are a lot. <laughs> uh, but the one thing that I'm bringing with me is definitely the. Um, uh, the content to align it with the hiring process that you have to be open about it and talk and like be on the same level and of course also for the leadership to actually do it not just say that we should do it but really show uh, how to do it uh, secondly I think the like team effort in the content is really great so posting in slack celebrating when you actually achieve the, the post itself maybe it's not a successful post but just posting should be a celebration uh, and then I think it's um, important also to uh, like find the content role model so to say uh, we want to write like yeah. uh, and a lot more on my list but i'm gonna cap it to three <laughs> uh, laura thank you very much for joining me on this podcast and i had a blast talking with you i uh, wish you and the dream data all the best thank you so much max pleasure speaking with you as well take care all right, shifting the focus to you that's been listening, just want to remind you that this is an interactive podcast, so hit the link in the episode description. There, you can join the discussion with other listeners and comment on episodes. You can also submit ideas for upcoming guests, topics, or simply upload what other people have already suggested. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it to someone that might be curious, friends, coworker, or that random person in your LinkedIn feed. Last but not least, leave a rating if you enjoyed it. 
while we're at it, add me on LinkedIn to see short video clips from the podcast. And enjoy the rest of your day. See ya. Last quarter, I smashed my quota. Short memory, I forgot what I sold you. Sales pro wisdom like Yoda. I want to witch my prospects. That's your phone up. Now you got me hitting the phones. I'm in sales. I love hitting the phones. One call closer while sitting at home. I'm in sales. I love hitting the phones. Last quarter, I smashed my quota. Short memory, I forgot what I sold you. Sales pro wisdom like Yoda. I want to witch my prospects. That's your phone up. Now you got me hitting the phones. I'm in sales. I love hitting the phones. One call closer while sitting at home. I'm in sales. I love hitting the phones. Gotta hit the phones.